Welcome to What the Fuck Did I Just Read? The Tech Sales and Marketing Edition. This is going to be a blast. This isn't just a podcast to have a conversation. This is a podcast to affect change. It's kind of our outlet for therapy to just let it rip. All right, we are back. Welcome to another episode of What the Fuck Did I Just Read? Sales Tech and Marketing Edition. I'm your co-host, Danny Wolf. And I am the willing cohort, uh, Chris Roberts. All right, Chris. It's been quite a week, I feel like, for the both of us. Yeah. Shall we have our five five minutes of kvetching? Oh, good grief. Yeah, I think we could probably put together a long enough list for that one. You can go first on this one. We kind of riffed on mine offline, definitely. But you've had a week and a half. Go for it. I'm just waiting for the holidays to be over because I don't know what day it is, to be honest. (laughs) You know, here in in Israel, every it's the high holiday season, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't know what day. What day is it? Is it is it Tuesday? Is it Monday? Is it Friday? I don't know. Yeah, Lost count. It's, this is one of those weeks, isn't it? I, I've, I've had some conversations with some folks over in that neck of the woods and you'll get them for like 10 minute segments and then disappear for another 48 hours. And I mean, I'm, I'm used to it. I've having dealt with that neck of the woods for a while, but I, I may guess in theory, when you think about it for you, you look at, you look at the other segments of the world and it's the same as, well, I mean, America, we've got a bunch of them. I mean, you've got Memorial Day, Labor Day, thanks. I mean, Thanksgiving, if you ever want to invade this country, Thanksgiving is like the day to do it. And then you've got the entire week. I mean, really Christmas Eve all the way through to what we consider it. Well, you've got Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. And you've got that whole week of just shenanigans where everybody's eating leftovers. Mm-hmm. And then New Year's Eve, New Year's Day when everybody's got hangovers. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> the same shenanigans. Uh, the part of the world has got to look at uh, look at whichever bits of the world adhere to that particular religious belief system. And, and then you look at, I mean, then you take another look at it and, and other areas of the Middle East that, you know, take the pilgrimage week and it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, lots to do, lots to do yeah. for the believers. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, how uh, are you doing? You know, it's it's same as you. It's been an interesting week. Um, moved house on Thursday. Thursday, which was, I guess, the culmination of, what, a month, half, two months worth of hassles when you've got to get the house ready, prepped, sorted out, which means half your damn stuff goes in a box because the house needs to look pretty. Then the house has to stand to attention every single time somebody sniffs, burps, or farts anywhere near the darn thing. (laughs) Then, especially in the current climate, you know, going through all of the financials and everything else on both sides, and then you've got to find somewhere. And uh, you've got to hope the inspector actually knows what the hell they're doing closely followed by the get in and the realization that, yes, the inspector was pretty good, but there's still some still some truths, shall we say, to be uncovered. We, uh, Jen was upstairs in one of the rooms, couple, well, I think Thursday, she decided to open some windows. And uh, one of the window winders fell off in her hand and the window wouldn't close because it was held on by chewing gum. So, oh, my God. Goodness. Yeah. And the siding, we thought we'd have to do one, maybe two sections. We had to do the whole house. Um, oh, damn. 
Yeah, everything can't be unpacked because the entire place is getting painted. Half the damn floors are getting refloored. How should we say? I, I found myself last night. Uh, today is, uh, I found myself last night curled up, curled up on the floor, just kind of rocking from side to side, trying to trying to basically untangle the brain enough so I could function for a little while. Thankfully, Milo has been very, very effective at helping. He's been a good listener. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yes. Well, hopefully also this session will relieve some stress or get some angst out. So <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, some issues in your inbox, oh, as, as always. Gosh, yes. Our, our wonderful world of... A wonderful world of, of vendor vendor management. I'm not sure if you would call it. I guess it is vendor management, even though they're un, uh, they're un, undesired. There is still, unfortunately, a level of management that has to occur with all these darn things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yeah, I agree. Oh my Gideon. yeah, especially the ones you know. It's as we were talking about. It's like let's pick a topic for this evening, and I'm like, I, I got a topic for us for this evening. It's this is. I, you know, there's a level of Dante's, what is it, nine, nine layers of hell? This this particular inversion, this particular individual is currently on like layer six, I think, at the moment, layer five or layer six. Um, they, everybody, gets a, everybody gets a pass on the first layer. You know, I am very open. I have that whole warning sign. You know, it's, it's, it's right there up online in front of everything if people choose to do some research and you know there's caveat number one let's start with caveat number one caveat number two is is when you, the first email comes in and just right out flat out goes in for the sell like hello i'm alex and i'd love to just sell you my organization and here is who we are and here's what we're doing and by the way your profile came up it's like a lottery winner you know, I am the lottery. I am the lucky recipient of today's email, and if I would care to take advantage of this special consideration and click, they can help me. If only what I'd like to schedule something on their calendar. To which point, it ended up in spam very, very quickly. Unfortunately, two days later, not forty-eight hours later. I actually did the time check on this one. Not forty-eight hours later, the second email comes in. Saying that you know you are still the lucky winner of two days ago's email. If only you would care to respond today, and uh, and they would absolutely love to have a conversation and a connection to go through the uh, letter of acronym, more acronyms, a few more acronyms, and uh, external attack surface management tool. So uh, splendid stuff, a comprehensive view of my entire environment, which is fantastic considering they have no sodding clue what the hell my environment looks like because actually neither do I at this moment in time. Now, failing that email, there was a weekend in the way. So we went through a Thursday or a Friday, then the weekend again away. And then Alex, Alex came back. Alex did not take number one or number two for another. Alex came back to number three and asked the CISO if I had any security things on my roadmap. I'm like, bless your little cotton socks. And apparently his technology and only his technology can help me understand my environment. (laughs) 
pretty sure a NASA scan can do the same thing. But hey, you know, here's, here's to an entirely different way of looking at this. Again, somebody who's not done their due diligence on email number three tells me that he would love to do a lunch and learn with me. Now, I'm pretty sure we've had these conversations about do not type bribe my time. But apparently that, that fell on flat ears as well. And he would love to meet again next week. And that was that was that day. Then two, but two, actually, let's look at exactly. We were at uh, 1345 in the afternoon, 1538, two days later. All right, so it gave, he gave it 48, 49 hours. So, and then he, previously, he wanted to follow up again, bless his little cotton socks. And, uh, you yeah, know, same thing, same rhetoric, same reiterations. And I think my frustration on these ones is, so that's four inbound emails inside the period of, you know, basically a week and change. And then, you know, you end up with the, the pity me message. And uh, the pity me message is, you know, we, we would like to increase collaboration and engagement. And then they wanted, uh, the conversation was, um, after that, unfortunately, they'd been looking forward to hearing from me. This was number five. With the hope of having a symbiotic relationship. Now, my understanding of a symbiotic relationship is not one where you sell me something and I pay you money. That's not really a symbiotic relationship. And um, and so uh, we had the conversation and closely followed by the one, missed your emails, let's connect. Two, busy at the moment, uh, let's connect next month. Three, not interested or four other. And then uh, it's it's a little, it's one of those frustration points because, you know, yeah. we have to deal with this. Uh, mm -hmm. Spam is good for certain things, no two ways about it, but some of these buggers just never stop. You're filling mm -hmm. up a sudden email inbox. Not only that, you're filling up the ruddy email server. I'm paying for your for you hassling me. And then when you ask them to stop, they don't stop because <laughs> it's automated and they don't read. That's the frustration. It's like, okay, you know, I, I have responded to some folks. But I think, you know, the 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 concern I have is why should I have to respond when I didn't ask you in the first place. You know, I'm I'm never, I mean, you know, to your point, we it's been a few weeks since we've had a chance to have a conversation. And this is but one of these are 50 messages that I bothered keeping. These are just the ones I bothered keeping, the ones that were like, okay, let's have a conversation about some of these. I mean, that's that's two, maybe what, two weeks worth, two, two and a half weeks worth of decent ones. The rest I've just ditched because I'm just I just can't be asked to deal with them. Um, or I finally figured out how to configure the damn server. You make a good point in filling in your inbox, wasting space, wasting resources. But to me, it's it's kind of a missed opportunity because I did read through that thread and there's nothing that jumps out as compelling. It's all the same message, yeah. the same generic message full of uh, acronyms and, right. again, no context to what you're doing in your business or no question to even explore what you're doing in your business and... It, to me, it seems like just a wasted opportunity that's that's backed by by automation, which is a huge issue, I think, because again, you know, to my earlier point, oh, you, you know, if we, you know, they don't they don't even read your reply, and you know right. that automation triggers 
a yes. So if it triggers a yes, that means that the person wants to talk to you. And so, ooh, let's send them a positive message to connect. But no, they that yes is really a no, leave me alone. But nobody ever read it. It reminds me, uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine the other night, and we were talking about like uh, the folks that used to knock at the doors, you know, I, and, and I'll, I'll put my hand up. So I first started working like officially, officially, I was like 14, 15 years old. And before I went in the military, I mean, I tried my hand at all sorts of things. One of the things I tried my hand at was door-to-door selling. And it, I mean, and this is a thing, I know how to sell shit. I mean, I sold vacuum cleaners door to door. I wasn't bad at it. I did Kirby and I got a whole bunch of things out of these things. And I mean, I always, it was always those interesting things because it was, it was a numbers game, which is really what this is. It was knock on a hundred doors, 10 people will answer, one person will give you five, 10 minutes. And your job was really to how many, how many doors during the day could you knock on to set appointments for the following evening. Because what would happen, you knock on the doors, you get the thing filled out, you take it into the office, and they would set appointments for you for the following day um, or the day after or something like that. And so this is that numbers game. And, and I always remember sitting down at the time and also afterwards going, how many people hit behind their ruddy sofas? You know, it's like when you know when you know the religious folks are, are out courting for, you know, the mega churches or whoever, you're like, oh, good grief, they're out courting. Quick, hide behind the surface, nobody's in. You don't want to answer the door because if you do, you're tagged as an active door or an active service. It's the same thing with this. If you respond, this is the whole thing with the unsubscribe. It concerns me with the unsubscribe. I'm like, are you actually unsubscribing me or are you putting me on another freaking list? that just goes, hey, this is an active person and and we can now sell them on to 20, 30, 40 other people. So that really, I mean, you want to talk about one of the world's, I mean, it was, there are like some of the worst lies in the world. And I think one of the worst lies in our world now is unsubscribe. Actually, that needs to be a LinkedIn post. We need to do that as a post. That needs to be a sticker. Stick it on the computer. Unsubscribe success. The world's oh worst God. lie. Yeah. I mean, totally. Because at, at this day and age, I don't, we don't know. There's no legislation. There's nothing in place. It's mm. kind of like the Can Spam Act. And it's it's somewhat to do in the US, in the US, especially, I think the UK and GDPR's got it as well, is you can put yourself on a no call list. Now, that's as only as good as the people that adhere to those lists. But there is a part of me that looks at this set of emails, these bunch of emails that came in from Alex and go, hey, you have no respect. You know, you you have not treated me with respect to my time or with respect to me as a human. And I would say the same thing if Alex was sitting here. I'm like, hey, you didn't do any research. You just got hold of my name somehow or other and you put it into the Salesforce database and you put a campaign against it and it was every 48 hours and change, it was going to send out another chasing email. I want to flip it on its head because we do know what, what the problem is, right? We do know that there's no respect. There was no legwork in doing the research, but beyond that, how would Alex need to approach this differently in order to resonate with you and in, in order to have a compelling mes- message in order to have you, potentially reply is it frequency is it context 
that needs to change. Take, take me through that. Let's build this back up because I want to get to that part, see how we can help. I think with, and I think we're going, this is going to be a, a, a somewhat, the first chunk of this, not always, but for the most part is, is going to be very, very similar, which is know your target. No, no different than, you know, from a military standpoint, situational awareness. You don't go charging into a room without understanding what the heck's behind that door as best as you can. You do your research, even if it takes five, 10 minutes, that five or 10 minutes of research would have at least gone past the first filter. So let's take that and go, okay, do your research and go, hey, this isn't how we approach most CISOs. This isn't how we approach most people in this industry. Um, we don't just spread, you know, we don't just basically send a whole bunch of emails out on a cyclical basis to just fill people's emails up. That just doesn't work or it shouldn't work. So that's one, know your audience, know your target. And definitely take five minutes because that five minutes worth of research gets you potentially past that first hurdle. To your point, then that second hurdle has got to come up. There needs to be an understanding and a consideration for where your target is in their cycle. And 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 the, the, the default response typically is, well, how do we know that? Well, do your bloody research. Maybe spend an extra five. Crap, Chris has only been there for six to nine months. Ah, he's probably trying to figure out the basics. Let's have that conversation. Or, hey, you know, Chris has been there for two or three years. Nah, he's probably working on a little bit more maturity in the process. So it isn't just understanding the target, but maybe where you and your product fits in the cycle of cybersecurity. Not everybody's product is the first one to deploy. And so if you understand where your place is, maybe you look at Chris and go, hey, you just aren't ready for us. And and that in itself can be a message. Go, hey, Chris, you know, one day we'd love to have a conversation. We've got a really cool product, but we can pretty much so assess from where we think you are that it isn't going to be for a year or two. So therefore, hey, do you mind if we touch base in 12 months? I'd be like, holy smoke, thanks. Yeah, do me a favor, give me a shout, or hit me up at a conference. You've elicited a response because you've been respectful of maybe understanding where I am. Mm. To your point as well, the third one is the product that, that Alex is, is, is touting is one of a hundred other, hundred, yeah, probably a hundred other very, very similar products. So what does make it unique? Or is it my choice is going to be, I'm going to choose between the blue one, pink one, red one, orange one, yellow one, or green one. That maybe is right. a personal preference. So does Alex have to not make me choose the product, but make me choose the company, make me choose him as a human? Because sometimes I'll buy because I like the person as opposed because I like the product. You know you know this as well as I do. If I got 10 products the same, I'm going to look at the company. And for me, that company, I'm going to look at the makeup of their board of directors. If it's all a bunch of folks looking the same as me, I'm not giving you my business. I'm going to look at maybe the ethos of the organization. I'm going to look at maybe what they are doing in the community standpoint. If Alex had hit me up and said, hey, um, I saw you were giving a talk at a B-Sides or I saw you talking at Gurkhan, hey, we, we're sponsoring there, you fancy stopping by and grabbing a cup of tea with us. That to me is an instant, hey, you're part of the community, you're giving to the community, let's have a conversation. Or so, and, and I'm very upfront with the time I spend at the community stuff with Innocent Lives Foundation, Hacks for Charities and stuff like that. So again, knowing that audience and Alex going, well, crap, we 
we sponsor a bunch of the B-sides and going, hey, we'd love to see you at a B-side. So let's grab a cup of tea there. That's an instant positive. You mentioned cyber cybersecurity maturity. Yeah. Now, a, a lot of folks coming in sometimes don't understand that that journey, right? Within the organization of of maturity, uh, th- there's there's that knowledge gap. How do you propose or how do you recommend those phasing in or or even in the industry already veterans understand at what point you are within? Apart from just asking you straight up asking you, understand at what point or at what where you are within your maturity journey. I think two things. One. I will often make an assumption that if you're in our industry, you understand it. And if you don't understand it, maybe you should take steps back and actually understand it before you actually sell to me. So to your point, where would I go? Well, I mean, NIST. NIST's cybersecurity framework, 800-171-853, MITRE's attack methodology, ISO 27001, the GDBR. So there are some really good things. To me, NIST is probably the best one because it covers such a wide variety and wide range. And you can take it as real simple as a cybersecurity framework, maturity. It breaks it down for you. It makes it easy. And so if you put two and two together and say, hey, Boom's a young company, and Chris has been there six months, he's probably still getting his feet under the table. We can assume that the organization's probably not overly mature because they've not had a senior, senior security person. They've probably been working their way through stuff, but maybe they haven't had a core focus. Chris is going to take four to six months to get in there and get a core focus. And then Chris is probably going to get some basic stuff in place. They've got some good basic stuff. So let's assume that in two two years' time, he can start looking at some more advanced things. If you And that doesn't take much knowledge. That honestly takes reading cybersecurity framework, maybe understand, even picking up some like Gary's, uh, some of Gary's books and reading basically what the heck it takes to make a CISO. Just doing that, I mean, there's that CISO journey. He lays out day one through 30, 60 through 90. And so if you sit there and go, hey, this is where you're at, but hang on, you're not really going to want us till over here. Even dropping a note saying, hey, we'd love to catch up at some point in time because we believe somewhere along your journey you'll need us at the moment. You're probably heads down. We'll see you at a conference. Perfect. Is it fair to say that the CISO journey is largely dependent on which type of organization you're working for, the market, the size of the market, region, or is it kind of cookie cutter? Here's the CISO journey. This is what it is. There's probably thousands of CISOs here that will throw their arms up and go, we're all unique, but we're not. I mm-hmm. would argue that there are some very fundamental basics that every single CISO, almost irrespective of size, scale, focus, market, vertical, geographical difference, et cetera, et cetera, has to understand. And and there's some simple stuff. Risk is the big one. Now, to understand risk, you've got to understand what have you got. You've got to understand where the heck is it and what the heck is on it and who the hell's got access. I mean, those are simple. You shouldn't get to the next step. You don't get to go buying blinky shit until you figure that simple stuff out. Again, from a CSIS perspective, 
I've been invited to go into that door and I've got to stand there and go, what, what am I looking at? I've got to get situational awareness. I've got to get the lay of the land. And more often than not, it, it the conversations are with the company like, hey, um, let's talk about risk. Let's talk about what you understand and what I understand. Let's talk about the lay of the land. Let's talk about what have you got. Let's talk about what happens if, if you don't have it anymore. Those are basic day one, week one conversations. After you mm -hmm. figure that out, exactly to your point, maybe I have fiduciary compliance and legal stuff that will take precedence. Maybe I have people at risk that take precedence. Maybe I have intelligence that take precedence. There's some variances there, but first and foremost and fundamental, I would argue, and, and this is going to be an interesting one for the audience, I would argue that those basics we talked about really go almost across the board, probably without without too many exceptions. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. This has been super insightful and we're heading towards the end of the session because we do want to keep this under 30 minutes. I want to ask one thing before we head off, one thing you want to impart on the audience today. Yeah, I think it's, and, and, and it flows both ways, respect. In some ways, I feel bad that I don't respond to so many of these messages because I actually do want to clue people in. I, as we start releasing these, I'm just going to send people a link to watch these darn things. I mean, that, that's honestly how this is truthfully going to go. But it also behooves the folks that are filling up our inboxes to take that step back and go, who am I doing it to? Why am I doing it? And honestly, as well, what angst am I causing by doing it? And can I change that philosophy? So that's how I would look at it. Awesome. I'll impart on the audience today, uh, be comfortable with a mindset shift. And I've been mm -hmm. chatting with Dimitri about this, who's going to be on the panel next week. We are not salespeople. We are analysts that need to provide value to your business. Mm -hmm. And in order to provide value to your business, we need to understand you. And we need to be an extension of your team. And that requires, again, to your earlier point, the legwork, the conversations, the understanding of the business. And so my hope is that some of the information on this session today will help those change their mindset from the numbers game to the value game. It's not about the numbers. It's about the, the, the quality. It's about what you're providing your audience. It's about understanding what they need at that particular time. It's about understanding their personality. It's about understanding what type of CISO, where they are in their journey. And so I thought this was absolutely fabulous. Chris, thank you so much for, for tearing it down, building it up. Uh, my hope is on the next session, we'll have a live Q&A for the audience. As always, I hope that uh, this has been valuable. And if there are any questions, comments, please feel free to let us know, audience. Uh, we are here to help and build you all up. This has been another episode of What the Fuck Did I Just Read? Sales Tech and Marketing Edition. Chris and Danny out. Take care, everybody.